Welcome to the Hired by Passion podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Richard, and I will be interviewing artists and entrepreneurs on how they were able to escape the 9 to 5 and turn their passion into an income. Hello, and thanks for choosing to listen to the Hired by Passion podcast. I have an interview for you today. My guest is a career specialist and certified rehabilitation vocational professional with a master's degree in guidance counseling. In 2015, she founded Next Career with the goal of helping as many people as possible to find their most suitable career option. Since then, she has coached and guided more than 1,000 clients to recognize their skills and get the job that better meets their expectations and their ambition. As a business owner and career specialist, she has been invited to talk on multiple media outlets and has been nominated twice as one of the top 20 under 40 by the Greater Moncton Chamber of Commerce. I'm happy to have with me today, Sylvie Desjardins. In this episode, we talk about the stress of leaving your current job and stepping out of your comfort zone. We also talk about once you're engaged to make a change, it can be easier than you would think it would be. Sylvie tells us how she found her why and how it helped her power through following her dream. And we talk about how your why doesn't necessarily need to be a career. We talk about the process at Next Careers to Finding a Career and why finding or following your passion might not be the best advice. We talk about the difficulty of shedding past identity when looking for a career change. We discuss the Myers-Briggs type indicator and getting past imposter syndrome and the anxiety that comes with changing career. Finally, we talk about the importance of finding a mentor and how to do it. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Sylvie Desjardins. I'm here with Sylvie Desjardins from NX Careers, your own company. And uh, I'm really happy to have you on the show right now because uh, you're doing something that I've wanted to do. Maybe not say I wanted to do, but it's kind of the same thing that I, I wanted to accomplish with my podcast. So thanks a lot for joining me. And uh, I, I want to start this off. Well, I'll let you a, a chance to say hello, I guess. Uh, hello, Sylvie. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. Thank you for having me, Marcel. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. I want to start this off with the first question that I ask all my guests, because it's a question that I hate to get. Uh, so I hope you don't hate it as much as I do, but I feel that you have more of a grasp on this. And the question is, when you meet someone for the first time and they ask you the famous, what do you do? What's the, mm. your answer to that question? Uh, my answer is actually, I help people who hate their jobs uh, find something more fulfilling. So that's my elevator pitch, helping people who just feel like they've been doing so something for a long time and it, it just doesn't align with their why, it's not fulfilling enough, and they just feel like something's missing. Nice. So what kind of follow-up questions do you get to something like that? Or what kind of reactions do you get when you tell something like that? Uh, probably the, the reaction that I get most often is, wow, you must be so busy because I know a lot of people who hate their jobs. Um, the, crazy, the crazy part is, well, first of all, yes, we are busy. The business has been growing for the last four years. It's crazy how um, when you put your heart towards a project and it really aligns with your why, you like magic happens. Um, but the thing is, a lot of people hate their jobs, but not a lot of people are ready to do something about it and that are ready to ask themselves the right questions to see what else could be out there for them. Yeah, just asking yourself the right questions and uh, get out of your comfort zone to be able to really figure out what you want to do when you grow up and even when you're a grown up. I, I understand what you're saying because doing that work is hard and and even taking the leap, right, to, to try to, to leave something that's comfortable in some kind of way. Even if you hate your job, there's some kind of comfort in knowing what you have to do tomorrow or what you have to do in this work. And I'm kind of curious if you find that that is a hurdle with your, your clients in how that they, they don't like what they do, but they're attached to the comfort of what they do. Yeah, well, absolutely. Just think about the financial security that you, you get from your job. And most clients that I see, probably 80% of uh, the, the clients that I have are in their 40s. So it means that they probably have a mortgage, they have a car or maybe two cars that they need to be uh, paid. So they have a lot of financial stress. And just the idea of thinking about doing something else, it's stressful because you want to make sure that you can still provide for your family. 
Um, so it's kind of finding that happy medium where you're ready to take that leap without losing that uh, financial security. And in most cases, most of my clients, they, they don't have to uh, accept a reduced salary. They're able to find something within their means, something that they already have the means to do without uh, having to go back to university or college and without having to uh, loss uh, or lose uh, a part uh, of their income. Yeah. Would you say that in general, it's maybe easier than people think it is to find a career that they like, or is it a lot of hard work and people need to uh, know what they're getting into? It's a little bit of both. To be honest, um, once you're engaged and ready to make click to start this process, it is easy. I think it's making that making sure that you're engaged. That's the hard part. But once you're engaged, most most people know what they want to do. They're just not ready or they don't know how to get there. But sometimes people come in and they're like, I just want to find something. They think that they'll find something that they never heard of. But usually, and even more for adults, we know ourselves quite well. Um, and it's, it may be something that you thought about in the, in the past, but you thought that it was too complicated. You thought that you weren't good enough. You thought that it was not something that it was reachable that you could get access to. Um, so yeah, once you're engaged in the process, uh, the, the process kind of helps you with making sure that you take everything into account, your interests, your passion, your, your, uh, strengths, your personality traits, all of that. So at the end, either if it's something that you knew or something completely different, it's going to make sense because it aligns with all of those, um, all of those elements. So um, that's what makes it kind of easy at the end. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I zeroed in on something you said that most people know what they want to do. And, and that's something that I personally struggle with a lot is that I don't really know exactly what I want to do. I have a lot of ideas, but usually they, they stay at the idea stage. And that might be, I'm, I'm recently kind of discovering that I might have ADHD. And I think that might be hurting my, uh, my chances to kind of pursue on all these ideas that I have. But can you kind of go maybe a bit deeper in saying how that most people know what they wanted to do and how do you discover really that? Because I've done a lot of exercises and it seems that it, it becomes a flavor of the month or I can, can kind of get excited for something and that fades. Um, and maybe that's just because of the way that I am. But how do you find that people really come in and get to tell you what they want to do and that you say that they know uh, when I, I think that a lot of people don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we, we can't really put everyone in the same basket. Um, so it really depends on the path and the career path of the person. But often what I see is that, uh, and just last, last week, for example, I had a client, she's from Toronto, amazing lady. Um, and she was thinking about doing something, but she wanted to explore and see what else is out there. Um, at the end of the process, the process just confirmed that, you know what, that first, that initial ID that she had was the right one. That was the one that made more sense with all of different, uh, all of the different aspects of her life. Um, but it does happen. I, I had a client, I remember uh, last year, is it last? I think it's been two years. It was in October, uh, probably 2018. Greatest guy. He was in his um, beginning of his 50s rethinking his old career, uh, was unhappy with what he was doing. And in his case, the process made him realize that he knew what he was good at. He was good at managing. He was good at, at mentoring people. Um, but he, he didn't have a clue how it could look like as a career. Um, and we were able to find after we did the whole process together, having four or five sessions of, of deep soul searching, um, he was able to really figure out what type of work he could do. And with the magic of networking, he was able to connect with the right people. And now he's been uh, ha happily working for a company for the last two years. Um, and for him, he knew what he wanted to do, but he didn't know how it looked like. Okay. So that's another type of clients that we can see. Um, and others, they're just interested in so many different things um, that are very uh, diverse. 
And that's where we kind of have to bring everything together. And I, I use a tool called a decision maker where we really try to figure out, okay, well, you're interested in all of those things. Those are the, the, the aspect of a job that you're looking for. When we put all of that together and we see what are your priorities, we're able to see, well, what would be the best suitable option for you? Yeah. Um, so really it depends. Everyone is different. Everyone has different, uh, has a different career path, different skill set. So we, we make sure to tailor uh, the process to the person. And uh, really my job is, is about asking the right question to, to my clients. Yeah. Um, I'm going to yeah. say, I find that you're very inquisitive that way. And I think it helps. I, I think I, I've seen it um, just with the few interactions that we had uh, setting up this podcast. I think that you ask good questions and I think it's, it's interesting to see. And, and even something that I, I thought about, just, a, just a, a simple question that you asked me after I reached out to you just to say, um, I think congrats because I, I enjoyed you on, on another podcast I listened to on, on Renee Warren's uh, we'll, We Wild Women podcast. Uh, and I thought it was good. I just sent you a note saying um, I thought you were good on that. And you you asked me, so how are you? And and it's interesting that uh, it's just a simple question was very meaningful to me. That, that you just reached out and asked, how are you? You know, it's it's so simple, but it, it kind of goes to maybe a testament to showing that you care. It, it feels like you went that extra step. And I, I want to congratulate you on that, I guess. Well, thank you so much. And it's really what you just said is really deep or dear to my heart, because for me, um, I'm always going to remember when I started my career uh, 11 years ago. It's been a while already. Um, my my father did had the same uh, edu- educational path as me. So he studied, he did his master's in guidance counseling, uh, but he was a parole officer for 35 years. And I'm, I'm always going to remember uh, when I started my career, he had sent me a document called the art of asking the right questions. And for me, from the get-go, it was so important for me to really find and and develop that ability to really listen to people and ask the right question. Uh, Now, my father passed away three years ago. And when with everything that happened with COVID, um, for me, I thought that I knew my why and I knew what I, like the impact that I wanted to have in my community and uh, in my life. Uh, but with COVID, it, it it became so much more specific where for me, it's really important to continue my father's legacy, where when he passed away, when me and my family, we got so many messages of people saying, hey, your father changed my life. Your father really took me and helped me so much um, as a parole officer. So for me, it was important to continue that legacy of having an impact and really helping everyone around me, not by doing something for them, but by asking them the right questions. Uh, so yeah, when you say that, it really resonates with me because it, it comes from far um, and it's something that will be with me for all of my career. And it's really important for me to ask the right questions always. I really appreciate you sharing that story. It, and and that's, that's, that's great. You know, it makes me want to have be able to have known your dad and, and seeing how uh, he, he, he did impact all these people. Because I think that there's always, you know, you, you sometimes even you don't know the legacy that you leave uh, until, you know, when it's maybe too late or, or, or different times. But but for you to be able to to receive that, that must have been great. And and I, I guess it makes me wonder how how did your why develop and, and what do you think that the role that your father played into the why that you developed for yourself? Great question. So, uh, I'm actually going to share something that I've never shared in the past. Um, but to be honest with you, and a lot of people have told me in the past, Sylvie, you're so um, strong. You you started from scratch. You started this company. You like, took the leap of faith of, of leaving a full-time job and doing something part-time and trying to make sure that it would work. Um, to be honest, and I remember I had the imposter syndrome and I still do sometimes, but at the beginning it was so strong because really I left my full-time job to uh, be with my family and my father was getting his treatment in Quebec. Um, so I knew my sister's a pharmacist, my brother's a nurse, so it was hard for them to be there always. Um, for me, I knew that I could uh, help some clients virtually. So I told my boss, you know what, don't renew my contract. Um, I'm going to be in Quebec with my family. I don't know for how long and I'm going to start seeing clients virtually. 
Um, so that's how I took my leap of faith. So for me, it was not a decision. Am I ready? Am I not? Life made it where this this was the time. Um, However, uh, in the meantime, I had two weeks left to my contract at the University of Moncton, and my father passed away at that time. So my boss offered me my job back and said, you know what, um, if you want a jo- your job back, it's all yours. And that's where I decided to make the best of what was happening. Um, and I said, you know what, thank you so much for, for offering me my position back. But I, I really want to try to see where I can go with, with this ID that I have. Um, so really everything that happened to me was the fuel that I needed to create this. And the fact that I had like that energy from my dad and that legacy, that legacy that I wanted to pursue and continue, um, that was, that was the fuel. So anytime that I had a bad day at work or that I felt that I was questioning if that business would work or not. That's what I was thinking about. So that was really helpful. So for me, taking that leap of faith, I needed like a dramatic experience in my life, but I made the best of it. Uh, And that's why it's so important for me to continue that legacy that uh, my father left in this uh, on this earth. Yeah, that is such a beautiful story. I really appreciate you sharing it with us. It's I uh, actually never shared it like this. Yeah, (laughs) it's a first. It's a first for me. Well, well, I I think it's a great story, and I think it's it it illustrates in how your why, how important your why is, and, and to be able to solidify for yourself how strong you feel about your why and, and, and why you want to do the things you do, uh, I think it's, it's very strong. And, and, and it's something that you like to speak about in finding your why. And I think that Simon Sinek kind of popularized this finding your why uh, situation. And, and, and you, for you, you've seen it. You, it really impacted you. But if you had to, if people are asking, but how do I find my why? I don't know what my why is. And I think it's it's sometimes easy to kind of fall in this loop of not knowing what your why is. And if we asked you just a few weeks before your father passed, maybe it wouldn't have been as strong, right? So, oh, not not at all. I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that um, at that time I had already started my business as a side hustle, and I I really enjoyed helping people around me. Um, but I would have not said that it was aligned with my why. I didn't have a clue what my why was. Because at that time, I was not digging deep enough into my soul and my being. So that's where really once your why is clear, and I'm going to give you another example of COVID where after a while, like when everything crashed for a lot of companies, I was in the same basket. My company crashed too. Um, In April and May, it was really difficult times and I was just expanding uh, we had just launched a new office in Bathurst and my, my partner in Bathurst, she just had left her full-time job. So there was a, little, a lot of pressure on me. And I remember sitting in my living room and I told myself, why am I not just working for the government? It would be so much easier. But the fact that my why was so strong, it took me probably 15 minutes. I had a good cry. And then I was like, you know what? No, this is why you're doing this. This is you, you want to continue that legacy. And this is what, if you die tomorrow, you want to be able to have an impact on, on, on people's lives. Um, so for me, it, it's not something that I knew I could do working for the government. Uh, so f- the only way to be able to do it for me was, well, and for me right now, it's the only way that I see, but if the company was to crash, I know, I know now that I could use that way and do something else. So really your why, it's not always a career. It, it's really why are you on this earth? What impact do you want to have? What do you want to leave to the other generations? That's your why. But just to add, so your career or however you gain an income, sometimes it's just a funnel or a way that you represent your why. So for me, yes, my why is really directly aligned with what I do for a living, but it doesn't always have to be the case. So that's where it becomes kind of complicated and you need some guidance along the way to help you um, in this process. Yeah. And, and 
I guess I, I totally understand that. And and that's something that I personally have, have been kind of working on and trying to separate, maybe separate my, my value as a person from the things that I do. And I think that's important. And that's something that it's, um, it's been nuanced a lot for me. And I think it's given me a lot of hard time, but it's something that I, I, I've noticed. So at least now I, I'm, I noticed that that is a problem and I need to work on that. So there's a part of that, but you've probably talked to a lot of people about their why and, and discovering their why. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of curious on the people that struggle to find their why. What do you think are the roadblocks that, that, that they put in front of them or that they kind of the, what they experience kind of hardship or how they, they, the people who have a hard time finding their why, what do you think is hurting them or stopping them? Um, and it's it's a really great question. I just don't want to generalize because everyone's so different. And the reason why it can be uh, a traumatic experience, it can be that the person is not digging deep enough. The person is not taking the time to reflect uh, just by being with themselves. And, and uh, it can be also, it can be so many things. Like you mentioned yeah. earlier, you think that you have ADHD. Well, that, that can become a challenge in itself. So when it comes to really being by yourself, and I call it, it, it comes from, uh, and I'm, I never say his name the right way, but Eckhart Bull, the New Earth, the yeah. the author. So he does something called just being. So for me, meditation is it, it's something that I'm not really good at, but I try to do ten minutes of being every day, where I just sit down and stay still. I'll have some music um, in the background. But taking that time to have to get lost in my in my uh, thoughts, that's the time that I'm able to really focus on really what I want to accomplish. Um, so again, it's digging deeper, asking yourself the right questions, um, and really trying to do something called the funnel, where you take all of those ideas that you have, you write them down. And then you create a process where you're able to start eliminated whatever is not as important as the other things that could be important. Cool. And, and your process. So you you seem to have established this process with your business. Uh, how long does it take to get some someone through this process? I guess. It, uh, so it really depends again on the client. But usually, what we do the process is approximately. Uh, can play along between three to five, sometimes six session. Uh, our approach is quite action oriented. So a big part of my approach is using the mo motivational interviewing by uh, Miller and Rowling. Um, and again, in that book, they talk about how it's important to be asking the right questions. But when you do ask the right questions, it's going to help motivate your client to make changes. Um, so during the first session, it's really us asking plenty of questions to understand the, prof the professional profile and how the person made that their decisions in the past, what they liked about the jobs that they had, what they didn't like about it. Uh, we're going to talk about their inner child and see. So when you were younger, what type of games did you enjoy playing? Because that can give us information about uh, their natural uh, passions or interests. So really, first session is just learning and asking a lot of questions to understand the professional profile. And then we see, okay, is this person already has an idea, but just needs to confirm it or that the client has a lot of different diverse ideas um, and they're good at multiple things. When that's the case, we're going to do testing. So psychometric assessments to just narrow it down. Again, that depends on the client if we need to do that or not. Um, and then the, the following session will uh, do what we call a career profiler to really help understand, okay, well, you did the testing. Let's do a top five of the careers that sounds interesting. Let's dig a little deeper and see what's out there. Um, and then once we're there, we're going to do the decision maker and see what uh, makes the most sense. And the last part is really making, creating the plan of action. Now, the decision maker, the reason why I like this uh, tool so much, and I use it uh, like in my life for any decision, any decision that I need to do, either if it's business related, personally uh, related. It really helps me understand my priorities. But the thing that we do with Next Career, you're never going to 
hear me say, I'm going to help you find your passion. You already know that. What we're trying to figure out is what is the most suitable career option for you that does align with your passion, but not just that, because it can be a passion, but it might not be a talent and it might not be able to bring you an income. So that's why we have to take more into account, not just your passion, but your interests, your personality type, the lifestyle you're looking for and all of that. And that's something that I guess it brings me to some other questions that I have. It's, it's, I, when I started this podcast, I'm going to be honest, like three, well, it was, well, it's probably been like four or five years ago now. And to me, like the follow your passion, I was like on board that train. I was fully on board and follow your passion. Don't settle for anything, figure out what you want to do. And, and, and as I, I, I listened to more, I read some more, I, I questioned myself some more. And there was this book, it was called uh, Be So Good, They Can't Ignore You by Carl, Carl Newport, I think. And he talks about, he, he says that why following your passion is a bad idea. And I'm not sure if you read this book. No, I'm intrigued. <laughs> he, he talks about finding something that you're good at and being good enough that you are able to dictate the conditions in which you do this work. And I thought that to be a very strong idea. I really enjoyed that idea. And I think that, I think there's a lot of validity to that, to be able to find something that you're good enough to do. And usually things that you're really good to do, you're really good at doing and that people appreciate you doing those things. I think that makes kind of, it motivates you to do them more. I, I would say not for everyone, but I think in general. So to be able to find, to be so good at something that you're able to dictate the conditions in which you work is probably, is maybe a better kind of idea than following your passion. And I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts are on that. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and have you f seen examples of this? And, and I guess how would this kind of thought have come into your realm of the work that you've done? Um, Have I seen examples? Well, and that's the thing. When we like, whenever someone comes in my office, it's not the the words that I were using. So I, I've I, like, no one comes in mind where they just came into my office and said, "You know what? I want to find my passion." If they did, from the get go, I said, "You know what? That's quite stressful because your passion, you might just." Your passion could be a side hustle. Your passion could be something that you just want to do for fun. Your passion can be art and painting, but it doesn't mean that it's something that you want to do full time. Your passion could be sport, but it doesn't mean like your passion can be hockey, but it doesn't mean that you can become an athlete and play in the NHL. Um, so that's where like taking into account your interest for sports or your interest or creative work is important, but then you have to make sure, does it align with my talent? So you can be a really good hockey player, but are you talented enough to play as an NHL player? And then can you gain an income out of it? So all of that needs, I think it's stronger and it's more, like it has a greater successful rate of figuring out what you want to do with your life compared to just saying, we'll follow your passion because it's so not tangible and it sounds really, really good and really cool. But I'll be honest, like I know that my work is aligned with my why. I really love what I do for me. There's no Mondays, every day is a Thursday. And I like to say Thursday because then I can drink wine. I feel like Monday <laughs> is too early in the week. Um, but yeah, so so all of that, I know that I know my why. I know that I love my job. But would I say that it's a passion? I don't know. It's such a strong word. Um, but I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm passionate about human connections. I'm passionate about interacting with new people. But that's not a well, that could be a job, actually. But I do it in my work, but it's not just what I do. Okay. And I, I think that that is something that I've learned through my journey in, in this, doing this podcast and, and reading a lot about this and listening to a lot of other podcasts about this. And it's uh, to, to be able to dissociate what uh, you're passionate about. And, and sometimes, I guess I, I'm jumping back and forth here. Uh, sometimes you you put so much pressure in, and like you were saying, you put so much pressure in finding your passion and having to make that thing that, and, and I think that there's a good chance that if you do find this thing that you're super passionate about, that you're going to find it, spend all this time looking for it, and then end up, it's like, it's not bringing me what I wanted it to bring. Like you're, you're We put these expectations on on things and, and how if we do this or find this or, or, or get that, we're finally going to be happy. And, and I don't mm -hmm. think that's how it works. 
Yeah, and what you just said is so important. And an example that I give often is that I often compare your career to relationships um, where like when we talk about passion and like the perfect job for you, it sounds like there's no negative side to it. And that's not not true. That's the American dream. And it, like it doesn't exist. I've never seen it. Uh, same thing that when it comes to relationship. Uh, when we were younger, we were always like all the fairy tales were about finding that soulmate. So it puts a lot of, of, of stress on our shoulders of trying to figure out, I don't know how many people there's on earth, but like there's just one person for me. There's only one career for me. That for me doesn't sit well, but I think that you're at a place in your life. Um, you You've gone through a path and then someone will came along where you're going to develop feelings for them. You're going to see that you share the same values. Uh, you want the same time, the same things in life. And you kind of make that decision that, you know what, I want to engage myself in this relationship. I want to put it my hundred percent. I want to fulfill it and make sure that I put energy towards it. So it's going to work uh, for, for the rest of our lives or for a long time. That's how I see it. Same thing with relation uh, with, with careers where you have to find like wherever you are. And I'll be honest, Marcel, where you're at right now in your life, the best career option for you might not be the same as you had 20 years ago. Um, so really figuring out the right career for you now it all depends like where you're at and what you're looking for but you do need to make sure that it it aligns with your values uh and what's important for you and then once you figure out okay this this career seems to really align with a lot of things then that's where you engage and you decide okay yep I might be interested in other types of career, but that one seems to have more pros than cons. And that's the one that aligns more with all the other elements. I'm going to pull all of my energy and soul to it so that I can be successful in this career. But it doesn't mean that there weren't something else good for you. It just means that wherever you're at in your life right now, this is the most suitable option for you. It kind of makes me wonder if you see this often where people have a hard time maybe shedding the identity that they had that they're not anymore. So let's say for me, uh, while I, I'm not saying it's the case for sure, but for a while it was, and now I'm not so sure anymore, but I wanted to shed this identity of an engineer uh, because I, I put so much of my identity in, in saying that I'm an engineer when it's maybe not necessarily kind of the work I want to do or the, the things I want to do. And, and I find that, but at the same time, it's hard to shed that identity because it's been with me for a while. And I'm, I'm kind of curious if you see that a lot and, and how do you work through things like that where people uh, want to change but have a hard time shedding their past identities? Uh, I definitely see it often. I mean, when you, like our career plays a big role in our lives. And when we define ourselves with that, it's hard to kind of detach ourselves. And Often, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, maybe it wasn't your case either, but a lot of our confidence comes from what we do for a living and yeah. if we're good at it or not. So when we're questioning, well, this is my title, this is what I'm good at, this is how I see myself or portray myself, if that fails or if I decide to follow something else, then who am I? So, And it kind of challenges the, the, the confidence level of a person because you you've put a lot of energy towards that and i see it when you have like i i've seen uh, weirdly enough i've seen a lot of lawyers in my office and they chose a career for the because it's a prestigious career uh their parents were so proud of themselves because they were choosing that career so the fact that they now realize and they're able to say oh, you know what i've been doing this for quite some times and i just hate it but how can I go from this to starting a business or how can I go from this to doing something else? It's difficult because you're you're stressed about what will people think? What will people say? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely that that definitely makes sense. And if I can give you a, a tip when it comes to that, and to be honest, I'm still working on that because a lot of my confidence comes from having been able to create this business of mine. And when I saw that COVID was crashing everything, uh, I was like, if my business crashes, I'm nothing anymore. And that's not that's not okay. I was attaching my my confidence to what I had built and it should be attached to me as a person. 
So that's kind of the switch that you have to do where you, Marcel, as a person, you have all of those great qualities, all of this skill set. But being an engineer was just a way that you were showing that skill set. Everything that you learn, either project management, problem solving, all of that great stuff, you'll probably be able to do in another career. Um, but it, it's not going to be the same title, and that's sure. okay. And to me, I, I'm I'm kind of okay with that. I, I think that the problem kind of relies for me more that I, I'm confident that I can do a lot of things. That's not that's never really been the, that much of the problem. Not to say that I don't suffer greatly from imposter syndrome in a lot of different realms, but uh, I think sometimes it's having a lot of options makes the decision a bit harder. When you feel that you can do so many different things, how do you choose in one thing that you're going to do? Well, that's where you need me. <laughs> It's really, that's where you need, you need a process to help you eliminate the things that are less important. And again, I see it as a funnel, uh, as a funnel where right now your funnel is probably quite wide and you need to narrow it down. But to narrow it down, you need to ask yourself, well, okay, these, so I have these five options, which one doesn't align with my personality trait? Well, to be able to ask yourself that question, you need to know what are your personality traits? Are you more of an extroverted, an introverted? How do you make your decision? Where do you get your information? Are you more intuitive? Are you more censored? Are you more of a feeler, a thinker? Now I'm talking, by the way, uh, about the, the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. yeah, the Carl Jung. Actually, yeah. There's, no, there's not a lot of scientific backing behind that. Right. That's kind of pseudoscience at best, right? Um, so that one has been used since 1979 and some really like it, some don't. For me, every January, I reassess where we're at and look at the testing that we use. I really enjoy the Myers-Briggs. Like The reason why I like it, it gives us a lot of information on the personal level and the professional level. And for me, it's just collecting data. The description is not, this is who you are now, this is how you should act. It's more about read this document and see what can you confirm that are things that you want out of a job and like ways that you are as a person. And let's see that data that we just collected, how does it fit with your career? Well, let's say that when you read your your type, it says that you're really good at problem solving and that's something you need to be seeing results in your job. And then when you look at the different jobs that you're interested in, a lot of them is more process oriented where you see like it's, it's longer terms, you're not seeing like the end results. Well, but then if I saw that, I would raise the, the red flag and say, well, as per the research that you did, how you're portraying yourself, it sounds like you, de- you do need to see results to feel fulfilled. These jobs, you'll experience the process, but you're not going to see the results um, on a short-term level. How do you feel about that? So then, well, then that's how you're kind of able to eliminate some options that you have. Yeah. And and it's it's interesting because as much as it's kind of been I I looked into it a bit and it seems like it's been kind of shown to be a bit of a pseudoscience ish. But looking at my so I I have an ENTP Myers Briggs and it does very well describe a lot of things how I feel. So I, I feel like it's as much as I I'm not sure how much importance I can put on that. It does kind of bring up interesting things that I find applies to me a lot when I look at the description more than others because I looked at other descriptions and seeing how they would describe me and I would say no this actually describes me better than the other one. So at least I, I do feel that there's some validity to the way that I feel compared to, to this, right? So to help you a little bit here, Marcel, what is important? So whenever you do and whatever ways you did the MBTI, if you did it online for free, those are not the, the scientific, they're not validated in French, it's fidèle and valid. I'm not sure what it's called in English. But either way, any test that you do, it's not the important part is to not know, well, this is 100% accurate or not, or this describes me better than the other. It's really taking the time to, okay, this is my description. I'm going to print it and highlight everything that is confirmed of ways that I am or how I think or what I see possible. So you highlight all of that. If it's ENTP, great. If it's something else, it might be something else. But you know yourself enough to be able to say, yes, this is me or no uh, or not. And then see how does these things fit in the career that I'm interested in. 
So that's the next step that you need to take. If you've been doing a lot of testing, but you don't do anything with the results, you just decide if it's a good, accurate description of who you are or not. You need to go to the next level and say, okay, this is the data that I'm collecting. This is the things that are confirmed that I want or how I am. How does it fit with the different IDs that I had in the past? So just by doing that, you're moving to the next level of figuring out your why and what you do when you're a grown up. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I agree with that. And that's why I've been doing these tests. It's just to give me an idea, right? At least it gives mm-hmm. you a starting point. It gives you exactly. something to, to look off to and maybe explore deeper into this starting point, right? Exactly. It, I'm glad that you mentioned that. That is a starting point. And I always tell my client, any testing that we do, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, my I'm an ESTJ. My work doesn't align with my career at all. I would have to be a uh, probably ENF or J, that doesn't matter, but I would have to be an NF in the middle and I'm an ST. So for me, my job, it's a challenge every day because I have to get out of my comfort zone to be good at my job. But that's what I needed to be happy. So Awesome. That's good. Yeah. I, uh, I see our time is getting a bit short and there's so many things that I wanted to talk to. You. And I, I honestly wanted to start by asking you more about yourself. But I mean, this is a topic that I feel very strongly about and uh, I think you feel very strongly about. So I think there's a lot of things that we could discuss and have a lot of fun talking about. There's something I wanted to ask you uh, because you mentioned it a bit earlier about uh, imposter syndrome. And, and I think it's it's something that a lot of people de- have to deal with, uh, especially when moving into a different career or something that they didn't do. And they, they know they have some transferable skills that could do this maybe fairly well, but they don't have the, I guess, social acceptance that they've been or, or the uh, reinforcement that they've done it before so they can do it again. So how do you help people who feel like they have the capacity capacity to do these new roles or these roles that they want to transition to, but they, they have a lot of um, imposter syndrome or uh, maybe anxiety that they're not sure they can do this because they haven't done it before. Mm, I love that question. And you know, you know what? My answer to that would be to surround yourself with the right people, either friends, family members that support you, but even more, someone that is not biased, you need a mentor. Uh, when I started my business, I, I'm not coming from an um, entrepreneurial background. Um, so like most of people in my in my family, my father worked for the government. Uh, everyone has like secret positions. There's only one of my aunts. She's an entrepreneur and she was a really great uh, role model for me. But when I started, I I was uh, fortunate enough to be in contact with Ray Abar. At the time, he was working with New Focus. And he really saw the, the potential that I had from the get-go. And uh, when I was questioning my ability to be able to create this business, I mean, it, it took me like six months just to decide on the logo and the colors for my company. After a while, Ray was just like, Sylvie, go get your first client. Go start. Um, you have such an amazing idea. You don't know your your uh, abilities. Just go and do it. If it wasn't from him, I would not be where I am right now because I didn't have the confidence. And really, I was asking myself, well, why would someone pay for my services? There's someone better than me out there. So first thing for me to get over that imposter syndrome that really honestly, I do have still, I'm still working on that. But it was to have people around me that believed in me and helped me give myself like a kick in the butt and say, go get it, Tiger, go do it one. And then the more I did it, the more I got out of my comfort zone and went met with clients. So for me, it was clients, but for someone else could be uh, doing projects or creating something, the more you're going to do, the more you're going to build your confidence. Now, I like I, I for me, I'm never questioning why would someone pay for my services because I know my worth and I know the word of, of, of what we do. But it took me having the right people around me. That would be the first ingredient to the recipe. And the second one is just do it, do it. And the more you do it, the better you'll feel about it. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that I, I'm going to ask you this question and th- maybe the first answer is networking, but I, I'm wondering how do you find these? Because I, I think it's super important. I, and I think having a stranger or somebody do, you don't know personally who, who's not invested in, in making you feel better about yourself, tell you that they think you can do it is a super strong motivator. But And, and I'm sure networking is maybe the best way and to, to find this. But I, I think a lot of people are, are don't have that person. And how do you surround yourself with that person? Is it networking or is there... Uh, uh, I would definitely say like networking it creates managed like I 
my so I wouldn't be in business if it wasn't from a mentor. But my build my business wouldn't be where it is right now, uh, growing as much if it was not for my network and the the connection that I've made along the way, and I'm that I'm still entertaining. It's one thing to meet new people, but it's another thing to. Uh, to entertain entertain those relationships and put energy towards those relationships. Really, a mentor can be fine in many ways. There's different programs that that exist. There's also just reaching out like a, a cold contact of saying, hey, I've seen your LinkedIn profile. I'm very inspired by your background. I'm currently transitioning towards a new career. I was just wondering if you would have time to uh, answer a few questions. Then you have a Zoom call. You go for a coffee. You connect with the P- with that person and see if there's something there. And really, when you make those connections, the most important part is again asking the right questions and really focusing on the other, um, so that they they they're able to share their stories. People like to do so. Um, and once you're able to do that, uh, there might be a really good connection there. And then the, the mentor-mentee relationship kind of creates itself naturally when it's a good fit. So I've seen that. I've seen, like right now, I'm a mentor for the, uh, a program called PARD, the A-R-D-E. Um, so that one is really created where like anyone that wants to start a business or grow they will apply to this program and then there's mentors where we will assist those people. I'm with my fourth uh, mentee that I just started last week and I'm having fun. Like for me to be able to give back to my community, it's even more fulfilling than when I was the, the mentee and I was asking the questions. I remember when I started having relationships with mentors, I always fell back. And every time that I would go for like have lunch with one, another uh, great mentor of mine is Pierre Bata. And we've continued to go for lunches like probably every six months. And at the beginning, I felt so bad. I was like, thank you so much, Pierre, for taking the time to be with me and, and taking the time to answer all of my questions. But at the end, I saw and I, I could see that he was enjoying that moment as much as me to be able to share his stories and be able to give advice. And now that I'm a mentor, I can see where I actually really enjoy it as much as being on the other side of the table. So reaching out to people when you do it genuinely the right way, you're going to get something really good out of it and you're going to be able to build really good connections. Yeah. And I, I truly think that that's true. And, and I really agree with everything you said. And it, it's something that I've learned a bit late in life, I guess, but um, it's never too late, I guess. But people are reachable. It's it's interesting how um, sometimes you can reach out to these people who think you you think would not be bothered uh, to take the time of day to read your email or to read your message. But a lot of people will respond. Like everybody's human. Everybody, as much as and and that's something I learned through podcasting. I guess is everybody is just a person like you, like me, like you know. There's just everybody's just human, and if you take a human approach to approaching someone, uh, there's a good chance that they could re- respond. And I mean, sometimes they won't because they're too busy. Like if you reach out to, to get uh, this high list A level celebrity, it's going to be hard. Uh, if you really want to, I think it's possible. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work, but I think anybody is kind of reachable. And if you work hard enough, you can kind of find the people that you want to to talk to, and, and you might be able to get help from them. So, because uh, nobody did it alone and uh, everybody feels like, you know, it, it's good to give back. And like you said, the giving back feels uh, even better than, than receiving. So it just needs to be done the right way. And I really love what you just said. Everyone is approachable and it, it like it's all possible, but it all depends on how you do it. Um, and your mindset when you do it shouldn't be, what am I getting out of this? It's really genuinely simply being interested in other people's path. And when you really do it for the right reasons, it's going to come back and doors will open naturally. But your focus should be about, I want to learn more about that person story, uh, cure pad, all of that. And out of it, I might get advice. But uh, really, if you really just focus on the other, that's where magic happens. Awesome. Our time is coming up to an end. Uh, last question I'd like to know is if you have any resources that you kind of find that are really good, some books, some websites, some podcasts, some things that 
people who are looking to um, explore different career opportunities or are looking to find more fulfillment in their work, what are the resources that you would guide them to, except yourself and your business, obviously, but... Oh, there's so many. Um, one book that I really enjoyed, and I'm looking in my office, where did I put it? I'm not sure. Uh, it's called Careergasm. And the author is, she's from Toronto, and she just wrote a second book uh, not too long ago. Um, that one I really enjoyed. She herself, actually, she was a professor at a university, hated her job, and she became a career coach. And, and she does that in uh, in Toronto. I've never met her, but really the way her style of writing down how to find uh, the right career for you, it's really, uh, it's really helpful. I read it and uh, I was agreeing with a lot of things that she mentioned. Uh, another suggestion would be uh, the website called The Muse. The Muse, they offer a lot of advice when it comes to coaching, how to create the perfect resume, how to find the right career. They have a lot of blogs uh, on their website, everything related to careers. So that's certainly a really good tool. If you just take the time to read some articles every day, it might be helpful for sure. Cool. Uh, lastly, I guess, how would you want people to connect with you? What's the best way to reach you and, and know more about what what you're doing and uh, get some of your services. So we do offer a lot of information on our website. So it's nxcareer.com. Other than that, we try to uh, give free advice on Facebook and mostly Facebook and also on Instagram. I have to keep up <laughs> with the Instagram. Uh, but yeah, we're uh, quite active on, on Facebook and trying to help people along the way. We've been trying a lot with COVID helping and giving free advice to anyone who has lost their jobs. Unfortunately, we can offer our services for free because we, we also need to survive. Um, but we really try to help in different ways of just by sharing free advice uh, online, giving tips and tricks to make sure that we're able to motivate people towards finding the right career. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time, Sylvie. I really enjoy you uh, having a chat with me. I think it, we, we could have talked for a long time on, on many different subjects. And uh, I'm, I'm happy that we got to uh, get to know each other a bit. And I'm hoping that everybody listening got as much from this conversation as I did. And uh, I, I want to thank you. Thank you so much, Marcel. Thanks for listening to the whole interview with my guest, Sylvie Desjardins. I hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I did having it. Career change being obviously a subject that I'm very interested in, I felt that I could have had a much longer conversation with Sylvie, so I'm sure this won't be our last chat. I really loved our discussion around finding your why, around Sylvie's why and how it affected her career, and the thought about your why not having to be a career. This is something that made me reflect a lot in this past week, and I think that there'll be an episode in the near future talking more about this and, and how it affected me and and how I think that uh, finding your why is important and maybe a career is not where you're going to find it. So I, I think that's an interesting idea. I'm curious about you guys uh, and gals listening right now. Where are you in your quest to find your why and how has that impacted your life or how has finding or why or have you ever looked for your why? I guess uh, I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. So feel free to send me a message if you want to chat on uh, Hired by Passion on Facebook. Find me. Uh, on Hired by Passion and send me a message. I'd be, I, I'd really enjoy having a chat with you because it's something that I do feel passionate about. So with that, I hope that you found some relevant information in this podcast as much as I did. I've listened to it many times. I'm sure I will listen to it again. If you did find some value, I would greatly appreciate if you would share it with someone. And I hope that I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Hired by Passion podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. 